Hello everybody, this is Marcus with the wide world of real estate again. Before I get started, I'd just like to say that I'm putting uh, my content, I'm putting the things that might that might benefit you, whether you're interested in the mechanics of a real estate a transaction or how to, or maybe get a job in real estate, but I'm putting it all on a notion template i don't have any videos for it right now but it's at simplifiedhomesales.com you can start a free notion account and copy my template into your free account zero charge i'm not charging for this it's still kind of a work in progress but uh, if you do that and want me to answer any questions or be involved in your thought process or the mechanics of a real estate transaction, then you can just add me to your space. If you look at some Notion videos, you'll figure out how it is uh, just a project management application in my template, but that's what I have. I also have a knowledge base and some, so you might want it if you're pursuing a real estate transaction, thinking about managing a property, thinking about how to structure a real estate career but that's what I'm selling so simplified home sales in the top right you can get my notion template so today I'm going to talk about a tale of two cities and one is where I've lived for a couple of decades and been involved in the city rebuilding after Hurricane Katrina and the other I've just heard mentioned many times in the in the conversations that um, have to do with bootstrapping a country and some charismatic, effective leaders that have um, brought brought the country out of uh, basically nothing, and that's Singapore. And the charismatic leader that I'm talking about is Lee Kuan Yew, who ruled as the, um, I guess, prime minister or president for years and years and he was handed control and his uh, I'm going to say it wrong but it's the PAP um, regime of politics People's Action Party or something like that but they got it back from Britain around 63 and got sucked into being part of Malaysia and then they got their independence I'm just going to guess around 65 but he not single-handedly, but through his leadership, brought this city, nation, back from nothing. It was the British used, I think, as a fishing village or some kind of small port. But uh, now it's world class, and he did it uh, by be having a vision, having a vision. And this is definitely coming out of me because. We witnessed the a reset event with Hurricane Katrina, Katrina in 2005, August 29th or 8th or 9th. But we had the opportunity and the funds to just remake the city. And over the the years, we suffered a slew of high-profile convictions, including the mayor in 2014 for uh, corruption but I'm putting this out there just because Singapore offers some sort of vision of what could have been and I'll just uh, I love New Orleans I think the people are great I'm not from this region but 
I feel like the Katrina process allowed me to call the city my city and home. My children were born here. And if you're here in New Orleans uh, more than 24 hours, you're going to experience the charm of the city. One of the main players in this region, this city, is the historical record, uh, the Spanish, the Spanish Plaza, Jackson, Jackson Square, and the Cabildo. Some major things happened there, like uh, the ratification of the Louisiana Purchase. Uh, we have a multicultural population in New Orleans, and the cultural sensibilities and and laid-back attitude are um, interesting compared to many other cities in the in the United States and we have similar problems as some of the old larger cities um, we we definitely have heat we have crime and we have corruption and we moved away uh, recently and it has not been easy and I miss New Orleans I think uh, I, I know what it means to miss New Orleans and we're still pondering the whys but the truth is we're seeking better value for our lives and feel like investing into a different geographic area with, with not the same problems would have more uh, return on our effort and uh, affection for an area and I don't feel that way with New Orleans. I feel like uh, the municipality is unappreciative of the taxpayers, and even though they make sure that we pay our taxes, the infrastructure is uh, done whenever there's enough federal money to do it. And uh, I'm just not feeling the love uh, in return. So. We came back. We labored and rebuilt New Orleans. And since then, we've evacuated and came back each time, uh, just picking up the pieces and getting back to it. And we've also done a lot of hoping for the best. And in the, in the five-year increments after Katrina, there was 2010, then uh, 2015, and now we're at, we're at 2023. So... Um, 18 years, about to be uh, 19 years since Katrina, if my math is right. Uh, five, three, or I guess it will be 18 years. But well, we came back. Uh, there's some definite bright spots. There are private industry, um, like GNO Inc. They are making a really good attempt to to sell the sell the benefits of the city these years they've been in existence probably 10 years but I think that after Katrina our reset compared to what could have been like 1965 Singapore with Lee, Lee Kuan Yew um, it just could have been different I think New Orleans fumbled again now that we're standing at this perspective there was some high, high I mean if, if I could just tell you the hope that was here after that that we were gonna you know drain the swamp and and um, get rid of the corruption that held us down to remake the city 
but we just couldn't get rid of those problems even though there was a ton of that was a ton of effort in the in the rebuilding and the attempt to change how New Orleans was operated. Uh, we did get the office of the attorney and the inspector general and that was a dramatic story that the the contention between Ray Nagin and Robert Sarasoli uh, was impressive. It's like uh, two characters in a in a in a dramatic film. But we have the office of the inspector general that does the budget does not get to get touched. It's it's just written in there. And uh, GNO Inc. selling the benefits of the strategic uh, strategic location of New Orleans and the benefits of doing business here but and we still have a brain drain. We still have um, population declines. Um, and that's just how it is. So, in my opinion, the problem is the system and the culture. The politicians are mainly populists that understand the racial makeup of the city. The voting block accepts below, below average education. And everybody's happy to stand on the levee drinking their their mint juleps, and the elites of the city are happy with the status quo, and the the people that are below poverty they have just benign acceptance of of what's going on. And I'll just tell you that there's a quote in a book and I'm not going to say it directly or correctly but it was Bill Zeckendorf he was a Manhattan real estate developer he had huge projects in New York DC Colorado and other parts that I'm not even he even got to a sugar refinery in Louisiana but he said as the leaders of a city go so goes the city and I just I'd have to say that what we showed in the in the media with uh, five or six or seven high-profile convictions, and um, the current way the the mayor's uh, portraying herself as as somebody that's a little vindictive uh, with uh, her use of tra budget money for travel and for using city perks that she may or may not have a legal. Uh, entitlement to but you know I just think that this is compared to Singapore I'll just say that uh, New Orleans missed the mark and because of their system that we weren't prepared to change the system uh, at all these years later and everybody everybody remembers Ray Nagin looks like he got out of jail and he's still patting himself on the back for the good job that he does, uh, receiving $8,800 from his corporate gig pension and $1,600 a month still. Uh, he was just very shameful uh, race baiting on his second, second, uh, second term with the Chocolate City stuff. Um, and then he just got popped for ex extortion and bribery, accepting payments. I just, uh, there's, a, there's a quote by Lee Kuan Yew that uh, it's better to have, there, I'll, I'll tell you in just a second. 
I'll find it. So something about shame and those Twitter comments. I'll just it doesn't feels like he's still uh, pretty pretty proud of himself. And I'm not gonna get it right now. All right. Anyway, so compared to New Orleans, Singapore did a great job, and I'm just gonna talk about. Uh, the power that what a, a mayor with vision that we already have um, Napoleonic code and I don't know where along the way that New Orleans got such a authoritative position of the mayor but they he, the mayor's office is um, has a lot of executive executive authorities and they have broad powers and a budget and public safety and public works they set the priorities in New Orleans and they appoint key officials to boards and commissions and they shape policy direction and they, they have a lot of emergency powers. So I think that if somebody did have vision then they could, they could have and still can, still can, but I guess I'll always root for New Orleans, but um, as I said the current mayor's just Looks like she's getting what she can get. That's that's how it looks. That's biased, but she's flying around the world, and we have we have basically moonscape style streets. Um, she's using a city apartment for her own use. She was judged to have to reimburse the city for for um, travel expenses that were beyond the norm, and she did. And then she fought off a, uh, a what do you call it, a recall attempt by the um, hopefuls, the Young Turks, trying to dislodge her. But she's in her second term. But how can you think about how to bring New Orleans to the next level if you're defending yourself always? And our previous mayor was Mitch Landrew. He was the scion of a long political lineage that includes his sister and his father and he's not in jail but it looks like he's in charge of administering transportation funds or something in, in DC in an official capacity and which is quite a joke if you can go on YouTube and find a video of New Orleans streets um, and then there's Ray Nagin before uh, Mitch Landrew who had two terms in so after Katrina, he was accepting bribes and later judged to be uh, guilty on 20 out of 21 counts. And that was wire fraud, conspiracy, money laundering, bribery. And he got sentenced to 10 years and 14. But just, is this what you want from a leader? Is this who we elected twice? Um, uh, just listen to this. You can't uh, he said, we ask black people, it's time. It's time for us to come together. It's time for us to rebuild New Orleans, the one that should be a chocolate New Orleans. So that's a bunch of crap. I mean, I might feel good, um, you know, that if, if the shoe, you know, I just think, yeah, I'm white, but this just sounds pretty divisive. I'm trying to be objective here, but we also had uh, William Dollar Bill 
Jefferson. They found 90 grand in his freezer. Uh, let's see what he said. Uh, I'm innocent of the charges that have been leveled against me. I will fight these charges with every ounce of determination I have. And he was uh, sentenced in 09 to 13 years in federal prison. And he had to forfeit the proceeds of his corrupt activities. So would you want to bring your business here? <laughs> this is the culture. And his brother, he, uh, oh, Bill Jefferson, he was taking bribes for starting businesses in Africa. So he was international. His brother, uh, let's see, I'm innocent. And I look forward to the opportunity to clear my name in court. And he was sentenced in 2011 to 10 years in federal prison and to pay restitution. So we got, uh, got Ray, we got Bill, we got Mose, we got Renee Gilpratt, Mose's girlfriend. Here, what'd she say? She said, I've always worked to serve my constituents and make a positive impact in my community. And she was sentenced to seven years in federal prison and to pay restitution in 2011. And it was, she had, um, she was alleged to facilitate the allocation of state funds to the nonprofits controlled by Mose Jefferson. Then there's nonprofit organizations and racketeering and money laundering. So, Ray, Bill, Mose, Renee, oh, here's uh, Oliver Thomas in 2007. He will probably be our next mayor. Uh, New Orleans councilman. Uh, convicted for taking $15,000 from a contractor for favorable treatment. And that's, uh, that's called uh, bribery. So uh, he was accepting cash payments and he was, he pled guilty uh, in charges of accepting bribes and the conspiracy to commit bribery. So man, he says a lot of great things and he was honestly beloved, but to say that let me just compare what Lee Kuan you might have said versus Oliver Thomas. Oliver Thomas said, uh, I'm not a snitch during some legal proceedings. But he said, I'm committed to making amends and moving forward. I appreciate the support and understanding of those who have stood by me during this difficult time. So it feels like a little bit of shame at least or, uh, you know, accepting responsibility. So that's a whole dream team of, of convicts. Um, not to say a member of the school board that, that conspired with Mose Jefferson to uh, give a no-bid contract to Moses' operation for some school education, right? Oh, gosh, it gets more. Craig Meffert, the guy that was associated with Ray Nagin, uh, uh, giving him perks, uh, he was steering the city. Yeah, he was, he was the city's technology guy, and he funneled he funneled city city work toward Mark St. Pierre's companies in return for personal benefits. They were like gifts, trips, and other stuff. It was just a scandal of kickbacks and unethical practices within Nagin's term, and Meffert. He said, I deeply regret what I did. I helped to rebuild my family. He went to jail. Uh, and, uh, 
And then there's Mark St. Pierre, the, the contractor for, I guess it was crime cameras. I think that's what it was. Uh, there were, <laughs> there's a technology uh, vendor and uh, St. Pierre's case was notable for its connections to corrupt practices within the city government and the awarding of contracts. So this happens. It happens uh, if you got somebody that's not being transparent. And what I'm saying is New Orleans is similar in the fact that we got a heck of a port, even though they've let it slide to not even within the top 10 by tonnage in the United States. There is a huge opportunity to get um, things out of the Midwest onto the Mississippi and go to ports uh, across the, the world. But uh, just New Orleans on its, doing its old thing has not figured out how, a way to partner with um, uh, marine industry or industry in general in order to increase the shipping traffic. And uh, how did, I mean, Singapore did it. How'd they do it? Well, they became very transparent and very business friendly. And they had a legal system that was efficient and worked. The knock against Singapore is that there are limited human rights. Uh, you might remember 20 years ago, or even more, maybe 25 or 30 years ago, that. Uh, the guy, the American, got caught in Singapore and took some, <laughs> beating with a cane, uh, as public display of how their stance on drugs was. I mean, you can't even spit on, chew gum, or spit on a sidewalk. So uh, Singapore gets accused of being a nanny state, but I'm not convinced that having some uh, those type of things uh, influences what companies think about. Uh, a country, but the guy Lee Kuan Yew, he was quite singular in pushing his agenda and his vision. And but I think one of the main columns, the main pillars of growth and industry, is is a quote by the CEO of. Transparency International. You can go and see those reports. But he said leaders can fight corruption and promote peace all at once. And that governments must open up space to include the public in the decision making from activists and business owners to the marginalized communities and young people. In democratic societies, the people can raise their voices to help root out corruption and demand a safer world for all of us. Um, I think that the culture of New Orleans is to not be a snitch. Just by that brief comment that uh, Oliver Thomas made during his litigation is that he wasn't a snitch. And I believe he was just a part of the culture that he identifies with. And I think that's old New Orleans. and. Uh, until until the populace can not stand for corruption and understand the corrosive nature of it, then New Orleans is going to be in the same boat and we're going to continue 
decline until there's another threat that probably couldn't be forewarned right now, couldn't be foreseen. But there's tons of types of corruption. Of course, bribery and embezzlement and extortion. But there's also nepotism and cronyism. That's what's up in New Orleans. Um, there's, um, of course, favoritism. That definitely goes on. And abuse of power, which is uh, what the mayor's currently engaging in. If you hear anything about uh, Lee Kuan Yew is that his clothes were threadbare. He was a public servant. And uh, he led the charge with the example that he made of himself. Meanwhile, uh, New Orleans' powerful mayor is, in my view, somewhat of an embarrassment in the fact that she's getting all these uh, personal issues that take away from what New Orleans really needs to be um, considering, and that is creating a transparent government and to focus on the education. Uh, New Orleans' poverty level is up around 20 percent, 20 people living below the par uh, poverty line. And that's compared with 11 to 12 percent in, in the nation, but uh, it's still more than, than Singapore, which seems to have 20 percent, I mean 10 percent living below the, the poverty line. And that leads to some of the corruption, to be honest with you. Um, there's lack of oversight and those kind of political patronage, patronages. Um, there's loyalty to certain individuals or groups that leads to nepotism and cronyism. And there's cultural factors. Um, you know, some things are probably more acceptable or normal that leads to a higher tolerance for corruption. Um, and, you know, we got civil servant issues as far as our uh, uh, garbage and firefighting and police issues. I mean, we've got big problems that uh, the city has chosen to lean on the tax base a little more since people are leaving, then the rest of the people have to pay more, right? That just makes sense. And we still got flood risk and less money coming into the coffers, you know, uh, we've kind of been beating the drum for the federal government to uh, create storm protection for 18 years now. We've got a brain drain here in New Orleans. Uh, we have economic inequality in New Orleans. And the list goes on. If we don't grow, it's, I mean, if, if there's not an investment in the future in a way of transparency or education, or making some zones more business friendly, it's just not going to happen. Um, so well, let's turn our focus now to what Singapore has got going on. Uh, we talked about some of the leaders that have, you know, their actions speak louder than any marketing campaign could have. But um, we we got Singapore's got similar problems, meaning they're a port and they're going to be subject to uh, sea level rise or climate issues. Uh, but they've got a multicultural 
um, thing going on with Indians, Pakistani, there's Malaysians, and uh, you know people born in Singapore, Singaporeans. They got some of the same things, but uh, in 65, the People's Action Party, if I'm getting it right, was similar to uh, other areas that it got their independence. And it was uh, often some group of social socialist kind of uh, revolutionaries, like in Cuba. And, and I don't know how if if um, Singapore was violent. I don't think that it was violent unless I'm totally off. So let me tell you about Lee Kuan Yew was one of a group of the People's Action Party and he just was he took a pragmatic approach he he spoke well he was eloquent and persuasive you can see him in the old black and white uh, interviews with um, Western journalists and the one that I saw was on YouTube it was about um, uh, regarding the Vietnam War so he just had he was a visionary and he had a clear goal for Singapore to be a world power and and to I mean they were surrounded by three different nuclear nations and it was a you know, how is he going to make this city-state a global power um, he firm leadership style the Singapore's got a pretty autocratic government and the president has similar powers as as the mayor in New Orleans but I suspect he had more powers. Highly disciplined, full of integrity, uh, and his personal, I mean, he's led by example and expected high standards from those around him. You remember uh, on uh, Patton, <laughs> uh, George Patton went to that, that outpost in Africa and people were laying around and he had to uh, whip them into shape. I suspect that's the vision that I get when I think of Lee Kuan Yew's uh, style. But he, look at it. He is business friendly. They focus on education. If you go to the PIS, PISA, uh, Singapore's at the top of reading, um, mathematics, and writing. Uh, the PISA worldwide ranking you can see how Singapore is higher than America and within America Louisiana and New Orleans itself um, are at the bottom and that's not what it's gonna take to get better it's gonna take more education and a company's gonna bring their operation here if the population is trained and and has uh, a, a good education so compared, uh, they even have affordable housing. And that was one of the, the things. And I don't think it's any secret, but they do things uh, different. It looks like they'll give the residents a leasehold estate. And, and it looks like that the residents uh, have a forced savings within their wages. And you might call that lack of freedom or a nanny state or whatever, but they're allowed to borrow against their savings to create a house for themselves. And they've got these big tall towers 
I mean, they've got less land area than New Orleans, but they've got three million people in it. So, it's uh, they have the it's you're gonna need it, you're gonna need some housing <clears throat> and affordable. So they've they figured it out. They've uh, got ownership and leasehold of their flats, and that's what it has to be if you go look at the style of these big high rises. But they follow centralized planning approach to allocate land and develop housing, and uh, just allows for efficient land use. What's going to happen downtown New Orleans when there's no longer need for those uh, towers with uh, commercial real estate? Um, so they got subsidies for the housing and um, um, that that uh, central provident fund within a citizen. Uh, they can they can use that mandatory savings to finance their flats. So uh, less personal freedom, but I would say more security and obviously growth. So there's um, you got the mandatory contributions, and uh, within your within your mandatory central provident fund, you got your ordinary account, and then your special account for your retirement investment and then your medical and then your retirement and they can use that to purchase homes uh, they they have a forced portion for their health care and ours is I guess there's Medicaid on the in, actual income but um, that Sing Singaporean people they have flexibility in how to allocate their contributions among those different accounts. Anyway, I'm getting in the weeds a little bit, but uh, there's some force programs. It looks like there's an expectation of how to act with people, and um, very, they have a very low tolerance for drug trafficking and drug use. You'll even see uh, some pretty severe punishments for those offenders. As well as the, there is there is a good and even top level uh, transparency in the government. People have faith that the legal system, the rule of law, is fair. Uh, they try to tamp down litigation and focus on settlements, uh, just to make things work better. So, um, and that's what that's what New Orleans could be. I mean. We had this vision 18 years ago, but it's died a slow death because of um, lack of vision, poor education, and uh, leaders to, that are focused on populism versus actual problem solving. Well, I'll always hope for New Orleans. I'll always root for it, even though we've uh, had to leave. But... I hope that was insightful. And if you have any questions related to the sequence of owning real estate, and ideas on on property ownership, I feel like if you don't own a piece of property, then you should seek to. And the simple fact that it could be your mandatory savings account. <laughs> uh, that people call it an investment. I don't know about it being an investment, but it is a forced savings account. If you got any questions about 
how it works. I have a lot of information on my Notion account on Simplified Home Sales in the top right. Start a free Notion account and copy what I've put together, my work in progress. Uh, me copy it into yours and then at mention me or bring me into uh, some area where you got questions and we'll communicate about it uh, any direct problems at the point where we can communicate all right well i hope to see you next time i think this is number eight and uh, i just had some things to say about my hope for new orleans and the united states on being efficient with uh, transparency of government a legal system that's efficient and works and um, and a transparent government which is uh, what we're in dire need of on a state federal city level is transparency all right i hope you join in next time this is marcus tuttle the wide world of real estate thank you so much